see you in your blueness and your slick back hair and your attitude thank you good to be seen by you we're both taking a drink of that thing that you can't drink enough of that's right not for this show wow that's some strong lemon ginger tea <sighs> yes I ask for crack cocaine and you give me ginger tea. I didn't hear the ask for crack cocaine. I wouldn't even know where to get that. Does it even exist? Does anyone do crack anymore? I don't think they do. Oh, I think I'm sure it's alive and well. Just nah, like they've it. all graduated to fentanyl. No, every drug that exists is being used by somebody. There's no drug on the shelf just begging for users. Please use me. There's someone. That's there. I, I, I kind of had this strange fantasy to see like a documentary of someone taking all of them all at once just to see what would happen if they took cocaine, weed, marijuana, fentanyl, heroin, speed, LSD, like all at once, like within like five minutes. If they just were to hooked up to a heart monitor, <laughs> there would be a flat line. Well, not at first. Yeah, it would spike egregiously and then flatten. Um, you heard about Sid and my drug off, right? Back in high school days? No, I did not hear about this. Are you sure you want to tell me about this? Well, I'll just tell you the Reader's Digest version. And if you want more details, I could give it to you. The Reader's Digest version is yeah, Sid and I had this great idea to do a drug off. And he had this book on legal drugs. So like soaking morning poppy seeds, nutmeg, smoking nutmeg, all sorts of chaos. And the parameters were that we would each choose something and then we'd both take it and then it'd be the next person's turn. And the one who dropped off first lost. Ow. Yeah. So, so did anyone go to the ER? What? Did anyone go to the ER? We sh probably should have. I recall being in the back seat of someone's car. I don't know who it is. And Sid's going, oh, my heart hurts. My heart hurts. And I'm just going, oh, this is so bad. And then I'm in bed and the bed is flipping head to foot. I'm like, like I've heard of turning, you know, like this. And I was turning like this. Not, uh, it was bad. And my heart hurt too. <laughs> So this is where we insert the obligatory children. This is not a recommendation or an advocacy of any kind of drug use. It was stupid with a capital S. Yeah, I never did anything that uh, wild. I had my wild times, but, but not that. And strangely, you're both still alive. I know. I would like to blame my current condition on my past 
How's that working out for you? It sucks. <laughs> oh, it's working out great. I'm taking no responsibility for what is and just angry at everyone from my past. It's brilliant. It's working out great. Are you telling them or are you just quietly smoldering? I don't know if quietly, but I'm not telling them. Yeah, that's what I should do. I should start. Is it really anger if you don't tell anyone? Yeah, it is. This is the Greg Wilker 12-step program. Okay, call everyone up you're angry with and tell them to fuck off and why. <laughs> hmm, I don't see that in the ACIM book here. No, that's uh, lesson number 367. <laughs> so um, I finally got to the part where the lesson 56 is review. Like there's a whole section of review. So it's not like we stopped at lesson 50 and and it's actually lesson 55, 56. They're all reviewing pieces of it. So it's a legitimate thing. It's not like she's doing some crazy thing. For those of you who don't know what ACIM is, I'm currently taking a course in miracles and Greg's a graduate. We're all graduates. That's what you find out at the end. Oh, you, so you're telling me I don't need to read this huge book? That's okay. what I'm saying. Well, Are it's fun to read. That? I'm going to keep reading it because I'm enjoying reading it. And yeah, it's uh, pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It really turns everything on its end, and it's like, wow. You know, one of the things I learned from you about this was that I, there's this, this use of the word saving or savior. Right. And... Um, we had a conversation about it this week in our call and it was like, well, I prefer to, cause it's a little problematic um, on some level. And so I said, well, I prefer the word healing. And I didn't attribute that to you, but I, that's who I got it from is healing as opposed to savior. Healer. Indeed. I don't want to bends about at me. <laughs> Speaking of healers. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I'm stumped that you like our opener. Yeah, I hope everybody else is liking it. If you do, send an email to marc at markwentcoaching.com. Marc at markwentcoaching.com. We're almost, you know, I think. Let me take a look at the calendar here. So. Is this meta? You're talking about releasing the thing while we're. It's the, on the show. We're talking about releasing the show. I know. I was thinking about that this morning because I there's a podcast I listened to called The Get Up, and they took a Friday off. And so they were saying, like, you know, this is pre-recorded and we're off today, but we'll always have new content for you. I was like, well, it's not really fucking new if you recorded it Wednesday, is it? <laughs> I kind of had this, you know. For all you know, there could have been a pandemic or someone dropped the bomb. Right. You're talking about all the sunshine and sunflowers. And meanwhile, half a million people have died in a horrible wreck. Right. So I don't really think that I want to give away the fact that we've pre-recorded six episodes before going live. And um, what you're listening to was probably recorded in June. And fuck you for having an attitude about it. Fuck you. Well, that's a great way to keep people tuned in, Greg. <laughs> For those of you who are, who are part of our anger management class, please stick around. <laughs> Led by none other than the Trump administration. 
They aren't in administration anymore. Thank God. They are in administration. <laughs> there is a. I'd like to administer something to them. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people would. God, I just still see people. I I really truly do not understand how anyone can support that gentleman intelligently. Like, what is it based on? I get the knee-jerk response. Well, fucking Democrats are all thieves and liars. And, you know, D.C. has been crooked since day one. And, you know, like this anger thing. But an intelligent conversation in support of that gentleman as a president and leader. I don't see it. Well, I've had a couple intelligent conversation. Yes. In fact, uh, more than a couple, one in particular that I'm thinking of was, um, a person was on the streets of the town where I live and they were, they had a booth open and they had all these very provocative signs and all this literature. And they were basically, um, there to promote Lyndon LaRouche, who's a whole other character, but they ha were taking the position that Trump is being, was being persecuted and wasn't, was the savior of the country and those sorts of things. And being the type of person I am, I'm curious because I, I've, I have this sense of human nature that anyone who has this point of view about someone really believes it in their whole heart. And if that's true, there must be something there for me to learn. So I'm sort of hanging around and I'm, I'm seeing other people who I would consider my party members. I'm a Democrat. I'm a registered Democrat coming up and like being aggro with these people. And I'm like, well, that's not how I want to show up for sure. I'm trying to like, well, what's the middle path, right? Buddhism, what's the middle way, right? And I'm, I'm sort of saying, well, but we're all like, we all kind of want the same things, don't we? And so why are you guys vilifying Democrats? And like, I wasn't confronting the Democrats who were giving shit to the Trump supporters. I, that was just sort of a foregone conclusion. I was just there to sort of see where the cracks were and how might I get in the conversation. And then, of course, I wanted to try to insert a little bit of my own ideas that might create an opening for anyone I was speaking to about another possibility beyond what I internally was seeing as kind of a myopic point of view. Anyway, I ran into this mob. Myopic means only like can only see this no. much. No. Okay. Right. So there's this amazingly beautiful woman there. Like, just imagine a blonde woman that's like the most gorgeous. <laughs> right. And she's got two kids with her that are like seven and eight or something like that. And she is definitely a Trump supporter. And she's like, you know, kind of not raving, but she's very passionate. Right. And I, I said to her, I said, well, hey, you know, you're railing on the Democrats and the Democrats are railing on you. But like, we're Americans first. It's not like the Democrats are the enemy and you're talking like we're trying to cr crush the country or we're trying to kill the country. And we ended up having this really great conversation. And about midway through, she said, well, you're not like them. You're not like the others. <laughs> One of these things is not like the others. And I said, well, besides the, my brilliance and my individuality, the truth is that's how we, it, it is for everybody. The reality is that we, pr we project 
our judgment onto people based on this label that we give them. And we miss all this amazing nuanced humanity about them. And that if we just sat down and tried not to pillory each other or criticize each other or make each other wrong for 10 minutes, we might actually find out that we both want the safe space for our kids. We want safe streets. Streets. We want education. We we don't want the government spending too much money that it doesn't have because of that affects our taxes. We don't really want to be running around making war. Like I was so shocked. She she made a really strong case about how she wanted to bring the troops home from Afghanistan because you know honestly Trump had started that process already. Yeah, that was right? positive study And so now I'm just reminded that there's this machine. And it has this vested interest in creating this sense of the Super Bowl of politics every couple of years because it drives so much money to advertising and to media outlets and they, they get us all fomenting against each other. Meanwhile, we're blinded to things like how our water isn't clean anymore and how they're pumping aquifers empty so that Coca-Cola can sell water back to us. You know, they're not in the water business, they're in the plastic business. So anyway, before I go off on a long rant, it's just amazing how little difference there really is between us when we start to open up the possibility of our humanity. Now, is that funny? It number? can be. Did you get her phone number? No, she was married with kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be... Uh... We did follow each other on Instagram. All right. Yeah. So we exchanged a few messages here and there and the dialogue stayed civil. And she said a couple like I I would get in her instant and make kind of things that would like kind of put a little chink in the the way that they viewed things. And then she would get a little pissed. I could feel her getting pissed. And, and then I would say, yeah, but I'm not like all the others. <laughs> <laughs> Bar. You know what they say? The devil's greatest achievement was to get people to believe he doesn't exist. Hmm. Yeah, well, we could get very deeply spiritual about this for a second if you want. Oh, no, it sounds like a waste of time. <laughs> It's not likely to be very funny. Here's the thing, like with Trump, I just recall the chaos on the Capitol um, and Trump and his son and a few supporters sitting in this media tent watching the TV cameras and cheering it on and celebrating. <laughs> right, exactly. And I and I, there's no... I cannot think of any intelligent support for what I saw, you know, let alone just the stoking the fires of racism and hatred and just, you know, being a battering ram for chaos. Just, and again, like when he was doing his, um, thing to be president the first time and there's there he is in this huge crowd like imitating a reporter who has a handicap you know like that like that's not leadership 
Oh, I totally agree. But I will say this for the Capitol riots. The Trump supporters did what the hippies and several other groups have been wishing they could do for decades. They, yes. they blew but down the doors. True. And again, juxtaposing images I've seen of the Black Lives Matter march that went in front of the Capitol and there's military personnel on three tiers of steps in front of the Capitol. And then there's these fucking whiteies storming the Capitol and there's no one, you know, they're in fucking inside the building. So there's a lot of dysfunction and it's kind of like the 9-11 thing. There's things that I see where I'm like, wow, that, you know, there's some discrepancy there that I understand looking at it, but it's also a fucking rabbit hole that right now my priorities are housing for my children. You know, that's more of an immediate concern for my energy than the chaos of January 6th and 9-11 and all these sort of rabbit holes of concern. Well, again, it's designed to, to drive our attention management. I like your Super Bowl analogy of yeah. the political thing. And what would be brilliant is if we approached it like a Super Bowl, we just realize it really doesn't affect our actual life. It's just something to get caught up in and put a lot of energy into. Have a halftime show, you know, where Bruce Springsteen and <laughs> Pearl Jam do a <laughs> halftime. Yeah! <laughs> Yeah, well, freedom's a weird thing. It, it leaves us vulnerable to all sorts of manipulation, right? Well, I heard freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Right. And think about it for a minute. One of the reasons there's so much chaos here in the U.S. is that we have some liberty and we try to hold the space for the possibility that people can figure it out for themselves. And we that what that means is we end up with some weird, weird, weird shit like the whole the, the insurrection at the Capitol, you know, the Rosh niche thing like, you know, Jim Jones, although that happened outside the country eventually. But, you know, it's this it idea of USA made thing jim jones was made in the u.s and then, yeah absolutely yeah. um but then you have the epstein thing too like jeffrey epstein and all this real deep chaos well behind the scenes of the the fomenting of the super bowl of politics and this kind of divisory kind of contexts is this battle for control of the economic sphere and that's we allow that freedom too. like we're like, yeah, if you can make it happen, you can take the money. <laughs> For those of you listening, <laughs> I just whacked Mark my just microphone. Slapped the fuck out of his microphone. <laughs> they probably heard it. They probably pulled their earbuds out really quickly. Um, anyway, but the point being, there's this assuming that everyone's got earbuds. I don't have earbuds. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, 
oh, a typical white response. Whatever. Don't call me on my shit. There's a reason the packaging for white for earbuds is white. <laughs> Look, I am standing on my privilege and I need this right now. I need my privilege and my gallass of white wine. Anyway, we're trying to have a serious discussion about the the liabilities of liberty, right? Liabilities of liberty. I like that. Yeah, because when you allow people to have lit capitalism or have like it, to do what they can do, they can concentrate all kinds of power in the media and all these crazy places. And then they start figuring out they can push our buttons, our intellectual buttons, and they get us all fomenting against each other. And suddenly this whole brilliant idea of efficiency and people having all the things that they need, which is essentially our true human legacy, becomes subject to the machinations of this kind of manipulative thing where people get convinced through fear and through feeling less than that they should be buying this product or subscribing to this political belief or going to this church. You know, it's like at the end of the day, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Exactly. And, and that's good enough for me, me and Bobby McGee. Um, I had this interesting conversation with a mutual friend of ours. And um, I don't think he'd mind being mentioned, but I'm not going to. So there you go. Anyway, What's the code word for him. Uh, I don't have one. I was going to say something crass. Um, but what, here, you can't here, be crass on the show. Why are we doing it then? No, go ahead. Do you, do you um, believe that life is infinite? Well, yes. And, it, you know, as soon as you start dis deciding what life is, you start to get into a semantic argument about whether you can support that. Position. Yeah, but is that a yes, but answer? My, what do I believe? Do you believe life yes. is infinite? Okay. Do you believe evil is infinite? I don't believe in evil. Okay. I don't believe in the devil or evil. All right. Is that where the conversation ends? Uh, well, I, not. I think that uh, it leaves me with, okay, life is infinite. Uh -huh. Nothing else exists. So therein lies the peace of God. <laughs> sure. Like, you know, I, like, I think the term evil actually points to something that's useful in terms of having a conversation, but it ends up being a trap. We get into this cold judge, good versus evil kind of thing. And, and again, it's another polarization designed to manipulate us. Right. That's where I think ultimately we are in a process of evolution of consciousness to a realization that life is infinite and we are a part of life. And that's all there is. And life is love. Yeah, it's and it's it's more than that, but. Yeah. It's also 12 dozen eggs and a cup of flour, a little bit of vanilla extract. Oven set at 450 degrees and we're back in World War II all of a sudden. What the shit? Where did this go? Well, what I was going to get to is you can't you can't see the 
you can't use the term life without the term death. You can't use the term well, actually you can. love without hate. They're they're on a spectrum. That's so funny. Speaking of our uh, one of our favorite mutual musicians, Marilyn Manson. <laughs> Your favorite. I think he's just a hack in a costume. Oh my god! I was listening to the bootleg I have of a San Francisco show. And there's this one section where he's got the whole crowd chanting, we hate love, we love hate. And it's just like the whole crowd. I was like, holy fuck, what, like, what a thing to create. Well, it's, I, my respect for him just went way up. Like I had what the dichotomy of that is just so brilliant. That's what, like this, I could, I should share this bootleg show with you because if you're ever in a place where I think you described it best last week, there was like some energy. It's just pure, raw shadow energy. And, you know, if you're ever in the mood for that, um, it's perfect. And there's this one song that's kind of a ballad where he just really captures that hopelessness of shadow that yeah it's fucking heartbreaking you know <clears throat> um the speed of pain oh it's so good well once again you're opening my artistic eyes which you've done several times in our life for those of you who don't have a video <laughs> since we're not broadcasting a video that means everyone Wow, then. <laughs> At least we're all one. We're all Tell one in our blindness. <laughs> Tell you what, go watch Clockwork Orange and then email me, markwentcoaching at gmail.com. You're just going to keep hammering on that. I just got an email. Gmail.com, aren't you? Oh, it's not from them. Well, no, I gave a different email first. Oh, you did? Yeah. And if you're listening to this, now you're perplexed. You're going to have to go back and see if you can find it. You're going to end up listening to the whole show over again. And you will have fallen into my evil plans. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Is there no hope for humanity? Hey, did you hear um, it's announced the white rhino is officially extinct? <sighs> I hadn't heard that. Yeah. There's two females left. But the male passed away. And so that's it. There is no more white rhino. Then I think I saw they believe its lifespan was 50 million years. Like it's lived through an ice age and a couple other things, you know, plate tectonic separation and all sorts of chaos. And, and the one thing it could not survive is human beings. Right. Well, a, a different rhino could copulate with one of them, and there's a 50-50 chance that a white rhino would happen again. Well, they've attempted um, fertilizing the females when this rhino was alive, and it just didn't happen. And I guess now they're past the age of... Well, it's this chicken and egg thing. Like, I get the magnitude of what you're saying. Like, if that's not lost on me, we are what people call an extinction event is going on around us. Right. But nature, God, it, that thing 
that magic thing created white rhinos, right? They still exist in some form. And it's possible that they could regenerate themselves. You know what song just popped into my head? Don't be afraid. You're already dead. Don't be afraid. You're already dead. <sighs> so comforting. <laughs> oh, God help us. He is. She is. It's us that we need to help us. She is. All right. Fine. It, they, it, are. they are. We have all been here before. Um, yeah. If you were going to say something, you should have said, goddess, help us. If you were going to pull that on me. You know what? I'm just going to say whatever you say the opposite of. No, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> we will now do the rest of the show with semi-fake British accents. Emulating our heroes. Monty Python. Monty Python's Flying Circus. They no, it's Python. Python. Oh, you came here for an argument, didn't you? <laughs> but this is contradiction. <laughs> this is abuse. <laughs> it will be later. <laughs> this is a dead parrot. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, it's not. He's just resting. You know, I think Trump is really a kind of, uh, he's like a human animatronic front for the people that realize if they cut, if they just like kind of cut him loose, it creates this whole distraction and a bunch of weird, even worse stuff can take on, can happen in the background because everyone's got his attention their attention on this guy you know what's fucking interesting speaking of that is what's going on politically with the voting um restrictions like what the fuck are people thinking what how can you fucking sit in an office and think you know what let's make this fucking harder <laughs> let's make sure that only rich white people get to vote it's fear they fear losing power and they it's so funny because they fly the stars and bars. They believe in liberty and they talk about freedom of self-determination and blah, blah, blah. Except when that means someone else will have creative control over what happens. And then, no, I can't trust them. And in fact, when you really do the work, the fucking country was founded on fear that we couldn't trust people to make the right decisions. So it's been this big illusion all along. Yeah, you know what's hella funny is I was watching one of the episodes of Warrior with Candy yesterday, mm. and it's the scene where the California senators in San Francisco and the mayor's wife, like he's talking about these Chinese and blah, blah and the mayor's wife says, "Well, I wonder what the Native Americans would say about the you know Europeans who came over and." took their land and jobs and everything. He's like, well, that's why she had a great rebuttal. And then the mayor said, you'll have to excuse my wife. You know, she's prone to an argument. And the senator said, well, I guess I can't count on your vote if you had one. <laughs> <laughs> 
and Candy was just like, oh. Yeah. So that, that's one of the brilliant things about that um, show is that it's, you know, Bruce Lee, who was the sort of conceptual artist of that show, he wanted to talk about all of these important aspects of cultural evolution. And so it's such a great credit to Shannon Lee's um, power and potency and, and follow through and vision for, you know, her family legacy that, that she made sure that the, uh, the things that are getting discussed in this show are getting discussed. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting to me that again, violence and the, and competition is kind of the engine that drives the entertainment group to fund it and give it space. And it's sort of the aspect of it that we like the most is actually the philosophical one. So if we'd come to them and said, Hey, we want to do this philosophical show. And they said, well, is there Kung Fu in it? We, you know, it would be like, that's how entertainment works right now. It's so weird. But here's one thing I had thought of yesterday watching, because there's that huge um, hatchet scene, you know, where they're attacking each other, the two gangs with all the hatchets and knives and stuff. And it was super tame as far as gore and violence. You saw people kicking and flipping and stabbing and some sound effects, but visually didn't really see a lot of gore and violence. And I thought, the the sex is very graphic and i thought well that's an interesting choice for production to emphasize the sexuality which is love and we're always talking about how come you can have someone's head chopped off and you get a pg-13 but if you show them making love it's rated r and here it seemed like a very conscious choice of we're going to tone down what you see visually with violence and up that with the act of love. Well, and it's interesting because it's really the art of violence in this show, because there's this devotion to what martial arts are. Right. And so you have the execution of an amazing physicality, without necessarily the use of shock to stimulate people, right? Like we, right? So what- And also like the fight between the Bruce Lee character and his sister's <clears throat> champion and the whole Buddhist blessing at the beginning and how the Bruce Lee character lost and the woman who's helping nurse him back to health is saying, yeah, because the other guy had something he believed in that he was fighting for. And you saw the other guy, like when you think he's beat and he's unconscious and he suddenly comes to consciousness and he takes a deep breath and you can see him pull his chi back up. And it was like, wow, there's just so much information in there. Of Like here's a fight to the death in essence. And there's a spiritual aspect to what's about to happen and a respect for the wholeness of life. And well, violence is a part of life, you know, and so is sex. And so sex and violence are like these primal things to us. Right. And this show has taken both of them and created a level of art around them in the visual sense. The way that they're treated is with this kind of respect and, you know, 
there's a kind of um, drugstore value in some of the gore movies that we see out there. You know, it's like the art of violence isn't even portrayed well in them. Right. But they're still the result of people being triggered to buy them. Right. Because these primal things cause us to to have curiosity and cause us to move towards them. There's a kind of magnetism because it reflects our own experience. And so it's crazy to me that it's this show is tucked away on Cinemax. Like there's like the level of work I had to do to actually get access to the show. And then you look at it and it's like, for God's sake, Bruce Lee's been a known thing for, you know, for four decades, <laughs> four decades. And, and the show was the, the rumored thing that was hidden in the vault, you know, and the Bruce Lee show that he wrote and, and like Cinemax is the best we could do. Like no. where were HBO? Where was Apple TV on these? Well, it's on HBO now. So HBO bought the rights. That's Got what it. I'm watching it. But yeah, well, HBO Cinemax though. Well, HBO plus or whatever it is. Yeah. It's Max. Yeah. But it's HBO. I mean, I don't see Cinemax. Oh, actually, I, now that you're saying that, I recall at the beginning, there's the Cinemax. Hello. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so, season three or no? Do you think it's going to happen? I haven't finished season two yet. Oh. But okay. I don't know. I don't know. Because there was... You know, there's a couple shows I've watched. I can see how series nowadays are definitely ending without conclusion. They definitely are planning for another season, whether it happens or not. You know, who knows? But um, you look marvelous. So what does Kung Fu have to do with t Donald Trump? Well, um, I'd like to see him in a mixed martial art ring and just uh, watch that toupee animal that he wears on top of his head go flying out of the ring like a scared monkey. Love that. And it's important to note that in the four year lead up to his run for president, he had a big role in the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Really? Yes. And so the art of theater of competition oh, yeah. was something he immersed himself in prior to starting his political career. And it's indicative of our politics to note that we are a culture that can be run like a Worldwide Wrestling Federation entertainment show. And a reality show also. Yeah. yeah. The, the conflict is what sells. Yeah. And it's dependent on one thing. And everybody listen really closely. The thing Sounds it's dependent good. on is your unconsciousness. What? Because if you, it, the thing it's dependent on is your unconsciousness. Because when you recognize that you're mindlessly watching something and that's useless and not even real, like reality television where people from Beverly Hills are arguing with other people from Beverly Hills about their, their um, 
physical capacities and their their uh, plastic surgeons or two guys who've been paid to look like they're wrestlers wrestling but they meanwhile they've worked it all out ahead of time right it's like it that it's a shadow play it's not really happening and if you think that's how you want to spend your time imagine all the amazing things you could do like it'd be literally better for you to go out and start an actual fight with someone than to watch wrestling because what you would learn from actually having to fight someone would be so much more portent now obviously even it'd be better to go out and like make love with someone but you know that's not as easy as it's love club <laughs> First rule of love club. love club. There's no love club. No love club. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a caveman weapon. Give me my love club. <laughs> <sighs> Didn't they like use clubs and knock out women and drag them home and that was the marriage vows of the day. <laughs> well, that's that were those were the memes of the middle of the 20th century that we were shown. But that yeah. was just a that was just a symbolism for domination, which is with the idea of perpetuating that somehow domination was the thing that had, you know, men being able to create relationships. But we all know that that's a very weak argument. <clears throat> And on that note, what time is it? 1041. It's called Pacific time. All right. Well, we hope we had a few laughs. We created some thought provoking things for you to consider. And if you want to write us hate mail, fuck off. Recording stopped. <laughs>